1: You get stuffed with
0: ravioli. If your mama's a paisano, you will have the world on a plate. So see that you're born an
1: Italiano and your life will be great.
2: Hey there, paisani. Welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm John Viola and very happy to be with everybody this afternoon. It's a beautiful May here in New York City. And I am very pleased to be joined today by the other gentlemen of the Italian-American podcast because it is a boys' takeover of sorts. With me today are my partner in crime, the notorious P.O.B., Pat O'Boyle, and the founder of The Feast himself, Mr. Anthony Fasano, in what is going to be a a unique treat for all of us to be together uh, on the mic today. So, guys, welcome back.
3: Thanks, John. It's good to be back. Um, You know... Still trying to get through all the uh COVID stuff with kids home and chasing them around, but thankfully our kids are back in school, which just happened literally. And uh, you know, we had some COVID in the house here, which wasn't good, and so we've been kind of all a little all over the map recently, but we're everyone's just getting back to normal now, we're getting back into the swing of things and we're, we're doing well, so it's good to be back.
2: I didn't realize you had COVID in the house.
3: Yeah, yeah, we picked it up. Uh but you know, everyone's through it, everyone's good now, everyone's kinda of back in the swing of things. Kids are all back in school in person, which is phenomenal.
2: <laughs> I'm sure it is, yeah.
3: But um but it's good. We're good. We're good to go.
2: Oh, thank God. I'm glad everybody's well. And Pat, how you been? I saw you only yesterday.
1: I've never I've never been normal, so I have nothing to go back to. <laughs> it's very liberating. God is good.
2: God is good. You had a great success yesterday at the feast.
1: I want to personally thank everyone from the podcast who came out and supported me yesterday. I want to apologize. I did not have the mental bandwidth to be able to give them the time and to be able to talk everybody the way I would like to have. But I, I, really, I really appreciate the fact. And please don't cut this out. I thank people for stuff all the time. And I find out, <laughs> did, did you hear what I said about you? And they're like, no, John, John cuts out all my best. So if you wonder why I didn't thank you for X or Fair appreciate enough. Y, it's because John cut it out. Blame John. Don't blame me. <laughs> My hands are clean, but no, I just want to thank everybody for supporting me. It was, um, it could be a podcast into itself. It was a very hard year, but we made it work. Yeah. It was
2: beautiful. Especially
1: to the John Atanasio family who built my carrier. They did a phenomenal job.
2: If you're listening for the first time, Pat revived very old traditional feast from his part of the Chilento here in New Jersey. It had been dormant for, Gosh, decades, right? And yeah, 10, for a long time. 10, how many years ago did you bring it back? 10, 15?
1: Uh, this year was year number nine, so I guess 2012.
2: Yeah, almost 10 years ago.
1: Math was never my subject in school.
2: Not me, too. But it's been a great success. So many people came out. It was so nice to get to have lunch with a bunch of listeners that came out and supported the event and get to meet them in person. So definitely keep an eye on our social media for next year's event because it's becoming like a nice little. Podcast reunion when, uh, when everybody can make. I know Anthony's marched a couple of times, and sometimes Dolores comes, sometimes Rosella comes, and hopefully next year when things are normal, we'll all be back together there.
1: I don't think Ro has ever come. She never came? No. I mean, Ro wants to come, but I mean, Ro's a busy woman. Oh, maybe you're right. But you know, she's an honorary Mongo, uh, citizen of San Mango. So they Oh, would she probably, came
2: to the dinner dance.
1: They would probably have a fireworks display.
2: <laughs> they do love her.
1: No one loves Roselle the way San Mango does. So they probably they would have sent a chariot.
2: She is like the uh, official celebrity yes. of San Mongo. They treat well, her well. People,
1: like... everybody comes up to me and always says to me, Do you really know Ro?
2: <laughs> she gets so, that a lot, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Ro, yeah. and
1: for those of you out there who ask that question, what you see is what you get,
2: yeah, that's true. These are the real relationships.
1: I'm exhausted, I'm mentally exhausted, I'm physically exhausted.
2: No, you definitely put in a lot of work. I mean, I've, I've seen you over all these years go through it. and... For whatever it's worth, I'm proud of you because the amount of people that you draw, I mean, the crowds were better this year than they've been even in past years, despite everything that's going on. And it's really a wonderful mix of people. There's Italian-Americans. There's devout Catholics. There's people who are looking for a good day out. There's people who are looking for family time. I mean, it's really very incredible what you've done, I have to say, the mix of people.
1: I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. And I I know it's an ongoing conversation we have. I get more support from people who are very religious and very Catholic than I do from Italian-Americans.
2: Yeah, you're not kidding.
1: So there's not, the Bison thing does not ring true like it used to.
2: Yeah, it's hard to get people to turn out, especially with COVID and the older crowds and stuff like that, you know. But I'm glad to see young people do turn out, no matter what their ethnic background is, and they become part of our traditions. And, you know, it's appropriate that this is the first thing we've all done together since COVID, because the guest we have today was scheduled to come in a couple of weeks into lockdown. We had scheduled an opportunity to do this interview in person in the wonderful studio we built out and retrofitted and all this uh, equipment in Manhattan, which has been gathering dust and boxes of Italian-American objects from eBay for the past year because it's basically become a giant mailbox. But unfortunately, obviously, everything went haywire. But we're really excited to be able to do this today because today's guest means a lot to the Italian-American podcast and has been an incredible supporter. So before I read his extensive biography... I will say he deserves a lot of thanks from us because he's a long-time listener. He's a great supporter of the show. He's a member of our new neighborhood. He's always active in everything we do. So it's really a great honor to welcome Coach Dino Spencer of the Fifth Street Gym in Miami Beach. He's got more than 40 years experience teaching and training in boxing and mixed martial arts. He trained under Freddie Roach and the late, great Angelo Dundee, another Italian-American icon. He has been studying martial arts for 40-plus years He's got a fifth-degree black sash in Chinese Shaolin Kung Fu, one of the rare certified instructors of Krav Maga, the Israeli military realistic self-defense system. He has been active in the world of professional boxing for decades. He's worked as a head coach, conditioning coach, co-trainer for a list of champions from all different weight classes, David Hyde, Bernard Hopkins, the list goes on and on and on, and He's also a celebrity trainer. He's trained everybody from Adriana Lima, Dave Chappelle, Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, uh, David Schwimmer, Christopher Walken, who I'm going to want to ask you about training as a, as a boxer, Mark Wahlberg, Mario Lopez, Michael Phelps, Jeremy Piven, uh, just an amazing guy. And I think the great accomplishment for me is his deep dedication to the history of the sport and this Fifth Street gym in Miami Beach because it's an iconic place That he and his business partner actually revived from the brink of extinction and brought back. So, with that long list of accolades, somebody who's been kind to us, supportive of us, and patient with us, and just a proud Italian American, Dino Spencer, welcome to the Italian American podcast.
0: Thank you very much. It sounds way better when you say all that stuff than it really is.
2: That's why we have the show. All right. So, uh, you're coming to us from Miami today?
0: Miami Beach. I'm at. I'm actually in the alley behind the gym. Oh, that's great. Because if I'm in the gym, people ask me questions and I will not be able to talk. So, I have to hide.
2: You got to do it from the car. So, I, I know you were in Italy for a little while during lockdown. We're going to talk about that going forward. But you're back in Miami now. And tell us a little bit about you. I mean, first and foremost, what's your Italian background? Where did you grow up? How would you get into boxing, MMA? How would you end up Coach Dino Spencer?
0: I'm actually like Pat, half Irish and half uh, Italian. My grandmother... My great-grandmother's from uh, a little mountain town above Palermo. And on my grandfather's side, they're from another mountain town just above Palermo. But they didn't meet until they came to the United States. Uh. And um, my grandparents spoke Sicilian in the house as much as they could. And uh, they would speak around us, not to us. So we didn't learn, you know, they wanted to be as American as possible. I grew up in a neighborhood that was probably 50-50 Italian- and then the other, the other 50 was like Irish and Polish in Chicago. My best friend growing up, his parents were like, spoke zero English from Naples. And, uh, it was always like such a big deal to be Italian. You know, like I used to cheer. We used to cheer for Sugar Ray Leonard because my grandmother said we got to because the coach is Italian. Yeah. So that's how we picked our sports yeah. based on that. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, that was Angela Dundee actually, who, you know, later became my mentor and my partner. So being Italian American and being Italian and not a Marigan was a, such a big deal in my house and to this day I you know we we make such a big deal out of it even though uh, my daughter's only 25% but if you ask her she'll tell you she's Italian it's, it's, it's terrible.
2: <laughs> That's true a lot of these kids that like have come from families of all different backgrounds but somehow the Italian becomes if you if you work a little bit on it becomes the predominant psychology in their mind I think
0: Absolutely it's the culture in the house
2: Yes yeah, definitely a culture that adapts well with others. And I think other people get excited by, you know?
0: Absolutely. And the gym has become that too, because I've invited, I started with one fighter, Daniele Scardina. He's half Pugliese and half Sicilian. And, uh, he came on vacation. He asked me if I could help him turn pro. We did. He's 19 and zero right now. He's the European champion. He's getting ready to, f- to fight for another belt. June 25th in Milan. We'll be leaving in a month. And, uh, it started with him and he was on dance with the stars in Italy recently. Oh. He's very popular, and a lot of Italian fighters have since followed him. All the coaches are either Italian or Italian-American. It would create our own little Italian little world here. It's very strange.
2: You know, it's interesting. You grew up in Chicago, and for me, as much as I grew up watching the fights with my grandfather, my father, my mother, my whole family's fight fans, uh, I think I got even deeper into the sport when I started going to Chicago as a 20-year-old at the invitation of the late, great George Randazzo, the founder and chairman of the National Italian American Sports Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Did you get to know George? I mean,
0: you know, I know Mark. Oh, yeah. Mark Randazzo very well.
2: Yeah, Mark, his son.
0: Yeah, he has a restaurant here in Miami, and I know him really well.
2: And he was a champion fighter himself.
0: He was, and he was Angelo's fighter.
2: Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that.
0: And he's got an amazing restaurant in, in Miami Beach.
2: Yeah, he does. One of the most beloved restaurants in Miami Beach. I know every time uh, I'm down there, I try to make a point to get to go see him and his famous meatballs that are yeah. family recipe meatballs. Absolutely. I spent a lot of time in the hall growing up, and uh, I got to meet a lot of really amazing boxers and promoters and writers and you know, have drinks with Bert Sugar while I was still in college. I mean, amazing opportunities. Yeah. Did you feel like growing up in Chicago, it had a little bit more of a passion for the game than maybe other places around the country?
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely more than most places. You know, New York's always been a mecca for boxing. And and recently, L.A. has kind of taken the lead uh, with the gyms and stuff. But in Chicago, you know, I I hung out on Taylor Street my whole high school life. I was there every day. My friends went to, we went to Gordon Tech High School. And um, every day we were were right down the block from the hall. So we would stop in just for for nothing to do, just to kill some time. So we're there all the time.
2: And now you ended up training under Angelo Dundee. For for those who are not aware, if you're not a boxing fan, Angelo Dundee, real name Angelo Merenda really was his family's uh, historic name. They changed it when they got here. It was changed on them when they got here. But he's a Calabrese American, really got to be one of the greatest trainers in the history of the sport, and a proud Italian-American, participated in the community, came out to events. I got to meet him a bunch of times. How did you end up training with such a legend?
0: You know, he always wanted to get one more world champion. And I had a Puerto Rican from Chicago that was a contender. And I asked him to consult for us. And he came in and just kind of just advised us and watched practice from kind of afar. And, uh, you know, it was really nice because it would have been easy for him just to take over. Yeah. And everybody would have listened to him. He would have and I would have taken a, a, happily take a step back. But he didn't. He was so generous with his time, his knowledge. And that's how it started. And then I was going to buy a gym in Miami. The last day before I bought the gym, they raised the price $50,000. Mm. I could not buy the gym. The deal was off. I already quit my job, closed my gym in Chicago. I was out of luck, out of work, out of business. And there was a sign that said for rent in the address of the new building in the original address of the Fifth Street Gym. And I called up Angela. I said, hey, And, you remember me? He said, yeah, of course. I have your number saved in my phone. I remember you. I said, well... The original building's gone, but the new building and the new landlord want to put the Fifth Street Gym back in the same address. He's like, great. So then I called the landlord and said, Angel Dundee wants to put the gym back into the original address. <laughs> and I kind of worked both sides of the fence until we got it together. And um, at the Boxing Hall of Fame, he was inducting the ring for Madison Square Garden and telling stories about all the fights that he had there and so on and so forth. And at the end, he said, hey, everybody, look over there. There's Dino. No one knows me from Adam. There's Dino Spencer. And he's going to reopen the Fifth Street Gym with me. And they put a spotlight in everybody who's anybody in boxing. Burt Sugar and Roberto Ran and on and on and on. Turns and looks and gives me a standing ovation. Wow. It was I get goosebump right now while I'm telling the story. It was unbelievable.
2: And it sounds like both a blessing and like a, a- total anointing but also a lot of pressure because if people don't understand if you're not really deep into the history of the sport i don't think people realize how important the fifth street gym has been to the history of the sport can you give us a little bit of a history of it
0: we call it the world famous fifth street gym mostly because of muhammad ali he started his professional career there and stayed with angelo all the way to the very end so his when he won the world title. Uh, He beat Sonny Liston at the convention center at 17th Street, and he trained at 5th Street. When Roberto Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard fought, they both trained at 5th Street with their own trainers and got a big fight on the street. Duran started a fight purposely to get under Leonard's skin to try to make it a war instead of a boxing match, and it worked, and he wanted winning the first match because of that.
2: Well, let me tell you, if you're not a fight fan and you want to watch some classics, Duran and Leonard... You can't get much better than that, I think.
0: That's as good as
3: it gets. Yeah, I think so. Dino, it's great to finally connect with you. I know you've been a big supporter of the show for years, and we always enjoy getting you know hearing from you. You know, you do the podcast and you sit there in a room with a with a microphone, and you never really get feedback from people unless they reach out to you. So, firstly, I just want to appreciate all the times you reached out to us. It really kept us going, and I thank you for that.
0: Well, thank you very much, and your book got me started with finding my family and I found them because of your book and now I have a great connection and we go to see them. Every time I go for a fight, I then go to Palermo and I see my cousins and if it wasn't for your book and the podcast, that would have never happened.
3: Oh, that's great. That, that's really good to hear. It makes me feel good. And, and that's kind of the direction I wanted to go with you because I know we've had some conversations about that, that you wanted to find your family um and you know you really got inspired around that just talk about that a little bit because i know a lot of our listeners are in the point probably where you were where they're like you know they want to find them and they haven't taken the steps yet but maybe you could just you know give them kind of that push over the edge you know
0: yes actually it was you know if you go it becomes very easy um there's a woman that was on the podcast and i've been trying to think of her name all morning and she was so helpful she lives in calabria she was on the cast i wish i could think of her name nevertheless she um she did the the dirty work for me. She went and and went to the little communes and she put two and two together. What I started with was my grandparents' birth certificates and ancestry.com. And she found one of finding one of my cousins that wound up doing all of the research on his own. He was just, he's like maybe 20 years older than me. He happened to be doing everything all at the same time. And when we connected with him, there's just a few pieces we had to put together and it put the whole picture together from my mother's father's side of the family. It was unbelievable.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I could tell just by hearing you that once you have a connection with the family there, it changes your whole philosophy in terms of, you know, being Italian American it just gives it a lot more depth, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um,
0: you know, when people talk to me, especially I deal with a lot of Italians here from Miami beach, they come for vacation, they come to train and, um, Sometimes they have, if you if you know, they have a little bit of an attitude about how Italian you are. But when I say that my cousins still live there, that like changes everything. That opens the door. Right.
2: That's <laughs> really true. I noticed that.
0: Where are they from? What are what's the actual names of the towns? Scusa di Calafoni, Calaf, It's very hard for me to pronounce. Obviously, is where my mother's mother's from, which is like about thirty minutes above Corleone, which obviously everybody knows. And uh, my grandfather's town is Piana di Albanese. Oh, you're Italo-Albanian on
1: that side. Yes. Wow, that's an actual, that's an actual eparchy. Yes. That's the eparchy of Piana di Albanese for the, for the Italo-Albanian, right? Yes. They are very famous for their cannoli. They are very, very famous. That is like the famous product of that town. because they use all sheep milk. That's actually why I want to go there. That's on my to-do list. That's on my bucket list. I want to go there and eat. Is it? What's the best meal you've had there? Now
0: that you're going to Palermo as a regular, well, the cannoli from there. We actually, I had my wedding. I got married in City Hall, and then kept planning on having a church wedding, and it kept getting postponed for illness and family problems. So then we decided to make it in Sicily, and whoever could make it could make it, good or bad. And we did it actually at a church in Corleone, because Corleone was like a middle ground between my two families' towns, and the cannoli was just. The greatest cannoli Yeah, because they're Albania. That's an Albanian town.
1: Yeah, the Albanese.
0: They have these goats, actually, with, with like um, horns that like turn. Like they look like spirals on their head and they got creepy blue eyes. And the milk from that that made the cannoli was, it was heaven. It's like I've never had before.
2: <laughs> You're making me very hungry. Everybody in the audience knows I'm on a 40-day metabolic reset, so I'm suffering through this.
1: Oh, my God, people, you, you got to see this. You go out with him. He brings a tin can with him of tuna. He like he disassembles, like and now how are you going to eat in front of John? He's there. he's like starving, like so he opens up and they're like, "Oh, what would you like to have?" I'm sorry, I'm I'm on a special diet. He's like opening up his tin can of tuna. <laughs> Amazing.
2: It's miserable. It's
1: discipline. Yeah,
2: it's a- that's how a fighter lives.
1: But who starts this after Easter? This would have been perfect
2: for Lent. I messed up. I messed up my dates. I'm not good with numbers. Like, I got all screwed up.
1: I should be a liturgical dietitian.
2: (laughs) But as Dino points out, that's the discipline that comes with these things. And it's actually interesting, you know, you're talking about going back to Italy and being in this life, right? This is a disciplined life. It's about training. It's about rigor. I want to talk a little bit about the work you've been doing in Italy and the idea that when Italians come to Miami, they're seeking you out and you have sort of become, thanks to – show and Anthony and you're searching for your roots this bridge between the two places and you know when I grew up like you said right you root for the guy because he was Italian or you rooted for the guy because his trainer was Italian whatever it was that's how we watch boxing So like when Arturo Gotti was fighting my family treated it like a holiday because here was one of us so you're now connected to all of these Italians in Italy tell us a little bit about what you're doing there what the sport between both boxing and MMA what it looks like there what is the Culture around it, and are they sports on the
0: rise in Italy? Well, you know, nothing touches soccer. Yeah. So, you know, boxing can't even be second. It's got to be soccer's one, two, and three, and it could be number four. Yeah. But that being said, Daniele is kind of crossed over into pop culture. He's very friendly with a lot of the biggest rappers that are there that are from his, you know, his neighborhood. He comes from a very poor background, very poor neighborhood uh, outside of Milan called Rozzano, where there's there's Pugliese and Sicilian, very poor people that work in, have really, you know, poor jobs. And they come from where they come from to, to come work in Milan. And uh, it's, a, it's a rough, rough neighborhood that's uh, like city projects. Concrete, as bad as any you've ever seen in the Bronx or the south side of Chicago. Tough. So he knows a lot of these other kids that have, you know, scratched their way out. And uh, he's become very popular in that way. So he's on the zone. It's an app, it's a a platform where they have, I think, 40% of the soccer games of the Italian Serie A are also on that. And it turned out that then Danny was on that platform and his star grew and he started to date DeLetta. I wish I could remember her last name. She's one of the presenters. She's got, you know, a few million followers on her social media and she's a big star. And they were like a power couple all the year before COVID. So that grew so much. So now when a fighter gets to be, you know, interested in the success that Danny's had, I get social media messages all the time. And we have attorneys that have never been turned down for a visa. So we get them their working sport visa. Um, as long as they have some credible you know, background, as long as they won, we have two Sicilian kids right now. They're going to be in New York on their vacation. They won the golden gloves. Wow. So, um, everyone contacts me. It's so nice. I'm so flattered. I'm so excited that these Italians will reach out to me that I break my neck to make sure they get their visa. We find them a place to live. We try to find them sponsors because it's expensive to live in Miami beach. That's the problem. When, when Ali was here, it wasn't. So, so now it is. So I have these wealthy clients like Adriana has done it before and many others that pay for their basic room and board and allow them the, the opportunity to change their life and be successful.
2: That is beautiful. What a wonderful philanthropic way to engage people. I mean, I think of my dad. My dad grew up in a you know, rough Italian neighborhood in Brooklyn. He was an amateur boxer in youth leagues in the PAL, fought in college at West Point, And he always said it was one of the best things in the world for him. Like, you know, like you say, the discipline, the rigor, the life skills that come out of it. And, you know, you, you talk about a guy like Daniele, who's gone from fighter to celebrity in Italy, And then you mentioned Adriana Lima, who's helping to bring people over. You have become quite the celebrity trainer. How did that happen? And please do share with us who has been sort of the biggest surprise in terms of talent for boxing and mixed martial arts and stuff like that.
0: You know, I started in Chicago um, training people. And uh, I would get like, you know, random people be filming a movie there. And they would come in like when Christopher Walken was in. He actually didn't train. I just was his bodyguard. Wow. And uh, he was just exactly like he is on TV. It's exactly how he is. <laughs> He's nothing different from his character. It's very interesting. Robert De Niro is exactly the opposite of everybody. You know, he was so quiet. But uh, that was all through doing either security or training people. And it was usually a combination of the two. Recently, I had a lot of athletes here. And Dwayne Wade turned out to be unbelievable. Really? Yeah. And LeBron and James was the opposite.
2: Really? Couldn't fight?
0: Yeah, couldn't fight his way of a paper bag.
2: That's <laughs> good. It's good to know. If I ever run into LeBron James and we have a disagreement, that'll be good to know.
0: I mean, and in his defense, he's been a giant celebrity since he's a kid. Nobody's yeah. picking fights with him. He's been 6'9 <laughs> and 250 pounds, and he's famous. So he's really, He's not, No one's picking fights with him, so he doesn't have much experience.
2: That's true. It is the shorter, scrappier guys that uh, have to learn how to fight their way out of something. I, I can tell you that from my high school experience. There you go. Uh, and you ended up training Adriana Lima. Is she pretty talented in this kind of stuff? She means She's a world-renowned supermodel. Yes. You don't think of her as a boxer.
0: She's super tough. She always begs me to let her actually spar. I won't let her because I'm not letting her break her nose and lose her money, cut her eye. I don't want, I'm not going to take on that responsibility, but she does all the drills and skills that the pros do. She works out with Danny side by side Wow! and hangs and bangs with them. She's impressive and she's consistent and she's disciplined. And when the Victoria's Secret fashion shows come up and we've, I think we did like six or seven of them together. She's on a strict diet, like a fighter. She does everything a fighter does except for get punch in the face. And uh, she runs with the fighters and she hits the bag right next to them. And she really commits herself and dedicate herself and lived in Italy for a long time because her husband played in the Italian basketball league oh, wow. and speaks beautiful Italian much better than, than I do.
2: You know, you've got all these people, especially like you said, you pointed it out, right? Miami went from really a rough around the edges, even Miami Beach, people don't really think about it. But, you know, there was a time when it was pretty run down and obviously has exploded multiple times over, particularly even in this past year. I mean, I was reading an article the other day about work being done in downtown Miami now and redevelopment and things like that. So the fifth street gym has evolved from kind of a rough place to a place where now you're training everybody from locals who want a great workout to actual fighters. Why is this sport so appealing to people in terms of?
0: Well, it's not boring. It's exciting. You know, it it does the trick of cardio. So it it does what a run would do for somebody that is in the office all day. Fighters have to run and do their boxing, but, for regular people, if they're going to get forty-five minutes of cardio or an hour of cardio, it's a lot more interesting to do it this way than it is to just go on the treadmill. So that's number one. Number two is I have the fighters working out right next to the regular people. I expect the fighters to inspire the people and set an example. Know that people are watching you. And when it's someone like Adriana Lima, uh, trust me, the fighters step on the gas even a little extra. <laughs> and I expect the people that are successful, ultra successes, CEOs and movie stars and basketball players, to impress what they've done on the fighters, because most fighters outside of the ring are failures. That's why Mike Tyson got all his money taken from him. It's happened so many times. And I want, I have so many guys. I have my, I have, you know, guys that are like, I I run a construction company and look what I did with my money. Now my fighters own Bitcoin. They didn't have two nickels to rub together. And now then they've, they've convinced them to buy a little bit with their purse and to save it. And they've made, they've tripled their money. Wow. So it's been really a a give and take between the people that are there that are paying $200 for a private lesson and the fighters that are there that come from nowhere. It's been unbelievable.
2: You know, you talk about fighters coming from nowhere and coming from a rough background and understanding how to be scrappy. And I think in the Italian-American experience, it's a big part of why if you look at the list of Great Italian American champions. I mean, I, you, you can't even really read the whole list because it, it's like a filibuster. You, you start with Rocky Marciano, Vito Antifermo, Primo Carnera, Arturo Gatti, Rocky Graziano, Paulie Malinaggi, Boom Boom Mancini, Vinnie Pezienz. I mean, the list goes on and on. Great trainers.
0: And there's another 20 <laughs> fighters that have changed their name had to change their name.
2: You're absolutely right about that. If you go into the early history of the sport, yeah, there's a lot of guys whose names you you don't even think of as Italian American, but there they are. It seems to me like even today, like I said, growing up watching, you know, Gotti or Pauli Malinaggi or fighters like that, you still get some Italian-Americans who make their way into the upper echelon of the sport. Do you sense that these guys, men and women like yourself who are in it, do they generally have a sense of the history of what our communities accomplished in this sport?
0: Well, you know, I wonder. But I know when the kids come from Italy, I jam it down their throats. So,
2: <laughs> Good man.
0: I put it on TV in front of them. I make them study it. I ask them questions, I ask them, and I really, I annoy them, to be honest with you, but I think it's super important for them, as an Italian, to know the history of boxing, and the Italian-American, you know, success. You know, Carmen Basilio was Angelo Dundee's fighter, and uh, it was very important to him. Later, very old, he would ask me, is that kid Italian? Is that kid Italian? Is that kid Italian? <laughs> Same with um, um, uh, the Raging Bull, would come to the gym in his 90s, yeah. and hang out with us and share with us, you know, the stories about growing up in his own neighborhood and his old fights and fighting Sugar Ray Robinson. And it was, I, I make the kids sit and listen. They wouldn't know him, you know, until we pointed out to them, but I really force it. I'm really in their face about it. (laughs) It's a great
2: history. It's a phenomenal history.
0: It is. It's unbelievable. And luckily, fortunately, Italian Americans now go to college. And their kids don't have to get their faces punched in Yeah, because it's a terrible life. It's a rough life. Danny's unfortunate. His parents are poor, and it's really tough. But, you know, it's a much better way for Danny to make money. And I tell him all the time, we're going to make enough money so your kids don't have to do this. And uh, he's very enthusiastic about sending his kids to college.
2: That's wonderful. So you, you coach as much athletics as you do life. That's fantastic.
3: Hey, Dino, I was just wondering, like, what was your inspiration behind wanting to bring the gym back?
0: Well, you know, I always just followed the history of it. And it was like, you know, it was like the Colosseum in Rome to me, it was like such a big deal. And then when bad luck happened and I saw that sign, it just really just clicked. There was a picture of Muhammad Ali in the wall. There was a plaque from, from the city dedicated to Angelo Dundee on the wall of the new building. And just it just clicked in my brain. Oh, really, within 30 seconds, it came to me. Mm. And the fact that Angelo said, OK, then we were up and running. We had 300 members of the press for the grand opening. The mayor was there. They did a ribbon cutting. And Angelo and Muhammad were there amongst 15 other world champions and movie stars. I was so overwhelmed. I couldn't believe that I was a part of this. Because I was not a great fighter. You have to remember that. So I was just okay as a a kickboxer. And uh, to be involved at such a high level with the royalty of boxing is God given. I mean, this is just such a blessing.
3: That's awesome. Yeah, it sounded. I mean, because I could just imagine the work that goes into it, you know, on a regular basis, and to do something like that, you got to be really passionate
0: about it. Well, after Angelo passed, uh, we essentially we're going broke. The gym was ready to close, and um, my actually from some of the members, they invested more money, in addition to what I borrowed from my family and friends to get started the first time, to keep it going. And then actually, because of COVID, because everybody closed except for us. We refused to close. We did everything we weren't supposed to do. We did anyway. We got a lot of momentum. All the people that felt like that was the right way to do it by exercising and not having a mask on, they joined us and the momentum got bigger and bigger. And now the gym is really, thank God, really stronger than ever. And there's more people with more money that can help bring these kids from Italy and help them change their lives because the Economy there is so bad and their the job situation. These kids have no education. So to give them this opportunity, they're all learning to speak English super well where they can function in English. Their social media is in English. And uh, it's been unbelievable this last year.
3: That's awesome. And like John said before, it's like, It's not just about the boxing or about the physical aspect. It's also about, you know, life, you know, and people need outlets like this in life just to deal with challenges and help them become stronger and build better habits. And it sounds like, you know, what you're doing is doing all of that, which is awesome.
0: It turns out more than anything, people need each other. And uh, there's some things that the boxers bring to the table because they're this tough guy that's going out there, risk it all. It gives the people that are helping them, supporting them, they live vicariously through that. They would have never even been near that in their real life. Mm. And the fighters need people to treat them nice and be respectful to them and take care of them and look out for them. And that combination is helping everybody's dream come true.
3: Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting too, because I know a lot of times in today's kind of society, I hear people often saying like, oh, you know, kids today, they're doing too many sports, too many activities and all this stuff. And I have three kids and I've seen a lot of their friends and stuff. And I feel like the alternative to that them not being out, not being physically active is really bad. And, you know, with all the video games and all the screens and everything else going on, it's like, you know, we kind of have to keep, you know, kids and really like society active, kind of like Dino's explaining here, like through COVID, how we can kind of try to keep people going. And I'm realizing, you know, more and more, I think when you have kids and all the other options that are out there for them, that it's very important, these team sports, getting them around other people, getting them around trainers, keeping them moving, keeping them mentally sharp, physically sharp. It just really only benefits them in life overall in a big way.
0: They absolutely needed. I mean, I think, I think the word sport actually comes from like the uh, French word for diversion. And we need that to get our minds off these stressful things. Yeah. We need sports. So it's important. And just the participation,
2: like the idea of something that you're you're gambling on your own merit, right? You're gambling on your own abilities, your own wherewithal, your emotional fortitude, your mental fortitude. Like, you know, you talk about great Italian-Americans. I know I've heard and read a lot of stuff by Mike Tyson because I was a big Tyson fan growing up. I grew up in the late 80s. He talked about how Customato, another great Italian-American trainer, changed his life when he took him off the streets of a really tough neighborhood in Brooklyn and not only trained him to be... Definitely one of the best ever, but also to be a man and to be a functioning adult. And I think he said many times that was a, a lifesaver. And when Cuss unfortunately passed, also something that really set his life back. So I think for people, you do just get a set of human skills by doing this kind of stuff, you know?
0: I think, you know, it's, it's funny. I find that African-American fighters really connect with Italian trainers. You know, I've had them tell me a hundred times, you're not white, you're Italian. <laughs> and uh, they mean it in such a complimentary way. They mean it in such a way of regard. You know, there's all these Italian, famous Italian-American movies that they grew up watching, whether they're, you know, my, my age or a teenager, they still watch all those movies. They idolize all the good guys and the bad guys in the movies. And when they see the similarities, the way I talk or the way my, I use my hands or whatever it is, or the way I comb my hair or wear a horn on my neck, they get such a kick out of it. And there's a connection. It's more than just the coach being impressed with the fighter. They now are impressed with you to a degree. And uh, they're so flattering and they're so engaging by it. And they get such a kick at up. They tease. They make fun of the way I talk all the time. And they make, you know, they, what, they're all like, are you going to hold me pasta now? They can't stop giving me a hard time. But it's, they mean it in such an endearing way that uh, you get a little extra respect from them because of that. And in turn, they listen to you and they do what they need to do, and it allows them to become successful.
2: Yeah, it's a really interesting dynamic that's evident in boxing in its history of these African-American fighters and Italian trainers or vice versa and the relationship there. And, you know, we see it in music and uh, in the history of jazz and things like that. We talk about it a lot on the show. As a matter of fact, I don't have it in front of me, but there's a new book that just came out about the relationship between Italian-Americans and African-Americans in music. And, you know, a, a big part of the thesis is the idea that Italian-Americans were not white for so long, and in, in some cases, I think, still feel many of us like an other from the, what would be considered kind of mainstream American culture. And uh, I, I think there's a mutual respect, in, particularly in these fields where people are out accomplishing based on their talents, you know?
0: Absolutely. And that being said, that all the fighters, both the Italians and the black kids, they all know who Louis Prima is now at the gym.
2: that's a god bless you that's my favorite well done me too you're you're spreading the word that's important Louis. that's right another guy who was way ahead of his time when it came to race relations in this country i mean a guy who was you know grew up in a sicilian neighborhood new orleans with african americans and irish americans and did not have time for the differences between us he was a a really a a very thoughtful kind human being from everything I've, i've learned and read so good choice on a lot of levels both musically and personality wise Your favorite entertainment, made in Italy. Mediaset Italia has new dramas, addictive quiz shows, and the hottest reality TV this spring. Tune in for new seasons of... Italy's favorite talent competition, Amici. The fastest quiz show around, Avanti Un Altro. Celebrities marooned on an island in Lisola dei Famosi. And don't miss new dramas airing Wednesdays, starring your favorite Italian talents. DirecTV has the Italian TV you love. Get Mediaset Italia for $10 a month plus taxes or Italian Direct package for $20 a month plus taxes. Visit directtv.com mediaset or call 1-877-912-2702 to learn more and subscribe. World Direct Dollar Card service requires activation of a qualifying base package, all programming subject to change. For new customers, equipment lease, activation, early termination, equipment non-return, and other charges and restrictions apply. Call 1-877-912-2702 or visit att.com for full details. So before we let you go, I do want to ask you, and this may not be a fair question, but you know we've talked about some of the greats here. Who do you think pound for pound out of the Italian-Americans that have fought is the, the greatest Italian-American? I know Rocky Marciano is usually the guy people pick because of his accomplishments, his undefeated streak and everything, but uh, you have an, an alternative, or is it Rocky for you?
0: I mean, you know, you, you'd have to say it's Rocky. I mean, Carmen Basilio is, you know, beats... Sugar Ray Robinson, who's the greatest fighter to ever live. So there's an argument there. But to, to beat that 49-0 record is is a hard thing to beat. And being the heavyweight champion, heavyweights having such cachet. Uh, but, you know, there's been so many. And um, it's hard to say because, you know, my favorite fighter, my favorite is Bumbo Mancini. But he's not the greatest Italian fighter i ever lived. But he's my favorite to watch. And, uh, you know, he's, and I, I've met him a few times personally. And I, I can't listen to him talk enough. And uh, you know I love him on so many levels. He's my favorite, but he's not, obviously he's not the greatest. Uh, you know the greatest fighter. So it's hard to it's hard to differentiate.
2: Well, that was my next question it was going to be who's your favorite, and I have gotten to know Boom Boom through my work at the Sports Hall of Fame. And beyond how amazing he is to watch as a boxing fan, he's one of the kindest gentlemen that you'll ever meet in your life. I mean, the guy is just such a class act, and everything he does, his willingness, his philanthropy. He's just he's a, he's a superstar on every level.
0: Yeah, he's the best. He was in town last week and he I didn't know he was in town and he called my partner just to tell him, I'm sorry, but I can't come to the gym. That's a, and I didn't even know he was here. He just apologized for nothing. He's so nice.
2: That's a good Italian move. Yeah, he's, That's a really Italian move. I'm apologizing because I can't, I'm in your area, but I'm not coming to see you. You have to make figura and apologize. I like that.
0: He's the best. I love him.
2: Yeah, we, we've had some greats and for those of us who enjoy the world of the ring to get to watch some amazing Italian Americans root for them, it's a real pleasure. So you're, Going back to Italy soon for a fight. Before we go, tell us what's next and what's upcoming for you and the Fifth Street Gym.
0: So most importantly, we have Danny. Daniele He's fighting on The Zone on that app. Uh, He's fighting on June 25th uh, against an Italian-American, Peter Manfredo Jr. So it's going to be the Italian versus the Italian-American. So it's a win-win. I hope it's us, though. Uh, That's going to be on the 25th. So I hope everybody watches and supports. I think uh, he's from Providence, Rhode Island. He's a super tough guy. He's got a big record. This will be the most experienced, toughest fight of Danny's career. And uh, we're very, very excited about him. I'm super honored that he took the fight. And we're very excited about it. And then uh, as far as it goes, we have a bunch of up-and-coming younger guys. You know, it's on my social media all the time. Dino Fifth Street Gym. We keep that updated all the time. And uh, separate from that, we're going to try to start. Been, I think I mentioned you before. We're going to try to start an Italian feast down here down here in Miami beach. Awesome. This is my ultimate goal. Forget about the world championship. <laughs> I want a feast. So we're working with some restaurants and some sponsors and the city, everything got stopped because of COVID. So things are going to open up now and uh, we're going to, you know, try to make plans to have a, a mini feast that I would ideally love to tie it in with a church and do it with a saint, like the traditional way, not just a food festival, but you know, I I'm up for any suggestions, anybody out there that thinks they can help or are interested I'm not trying to get rich off it. I just want it to happen like it did when I was a kid. You know, what was the feast that you remember? That's your childhood memory. The feast. It was always the one in the suburb of Chicago, Elmwood Park. That was the big one. And what was the what was the saint that was in Elmwood Park? I knew I was afraid you'd ask me that. I can't remember. It's been so long. Is that with the flight of the angels over the over the over the feast over the over the people? The two little girls
1: on the road over the feast. Yeah. Yes, that's Laurentana. Yeah. Now, there's actually another one. You know, it's so funny, Dino, that you should bring it up because Laurentana actually, so many people from like that Chicago area moved to Arizona. Yes. That they actually have a feast of a lady of Laurentana. The same people from Chicago actually have it in Arizona. Wow. So now if you have it in Miami, that's like, that's like the Bermuda Triangle. I don't know if I want to use the Bermuda Triangle. As <laughs> But that's kind
0: of like. Oh, that'd be great. And anyone that, you know, had any advice on doing this, please get a hold of me. I'll take all the direction I can handle.
2: Well, there's nobody better, as we said in the intro, at reviving a feast than Pat. There you go. He has the Rolodex and the experience. I do have
1: have the Rolodex. Yeah, he. I would be lying if I fought that off.
2: (laughs) So now, Pat, we have an assignment. You know, Pat and I are doing an event for the Constantinian Order in South Florida next spring. Oh, wow. So we'll be doing some planning down there for a big dinner and fundraiser. So we will absolutely be available to uh, hop down there. And any excuse to go to Miami is great. And it'd be even better to get to hang out with you and plan a feast. I'm sure I can volunteer, Pat, for that.
0: Awesome. Sounds great. And anything I can do to help you with the with the raising money for the costing order, let me know, and I'll reach out to my clients and see what we can do.
2: You're the best. We really appreciate it. And like Anthony said, can't thank you enough for all the support of the show. It is a joy to follow you on social media. Your accounts are so positive and so impactful, and so I highly recommend. We're going to link them in the show notes, and everybody that uh, is listening on the website, take a look. Follow Dino. And if you're in Miami and you're in the area and you want somebody who's going to train you, not just for your physique and for your physicality, but for – your psychology, and your soul, this is clearly the Italian-American to do it. So I'm very proud to have had a wonderful Sicilian-American on today and a guy who's doing great things in a lot of different fields. So, Dino, thanks a lot for coming on.
0: Thank you so much. And any of the listeners, just come by and say hi. It's so great to have you on,
1: Dino. I I feel like I know you forever.
3: Thanks, Dino.
2: I hope everybody goes out and follows Dino and uh, keeps up with what's going on. And June 25th, big fight coming up. Gonna be on the Zone app and uh, Italian versus Italian American. I think a lot of us are gonna mistake in that, so make sure to watch. We hope you've enjoyed this very special interview, and we'll see you next week.
0: Ciao for now. Ta 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 What
1: am I on? Who does that? See that
2: Nobody That's why we need you on.
1: your life will be great. See that you're
3: born in an Italiano and your.